It is good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We are in our series, The Backstory of Generosity. We have today and then next week and then the week after we move into our Christmas series, Simple Christmas. How many of you use the tropical storm to put up your Christmas tree? This family did. Uh, I came home and I'm like, what'd you do? And she's like, I was bored. My wife was. And so she put up the Christmas tree. We still have the ornaments to put on. So we have been procrastinating there. But nevertheless, the Christmas tree is up. Well, hey, thanks so much for all of those of you who prayed for me last weekend. Because around this time last week, I was recovering from my Ironman. And I figured I would bring some pictures of that race. Yeah, would you like to see some pictures of that long, grueling 13 hours and 54 minute day that I had? Well, so if you know anything about Ironmans or triathlons, you start off with the swim. And so this is me actually coming out of the first loop. So it was in Panama City Beach, Florida. And so if you've ever been to Pier Park, basically we swam around the pier 1.2 miles. And so I'm not very happy because I got to go back and I got to do it again because you have to do 2.4 miles. And the reason why I wasn't happy is because there are a lot of guys who swim. Undoubtedly, they do not know where they're swimming, and so they knock you in the head. And I'm thinking, get off me, bro. Like, can you, I mean, like, Lord, I mean, you want to fight in the water. But then you're like, I, I got, I got 13 more hours. I, I do not need to expend my energy doing it. But so you had the 2.4 mile swim and then you transition and then you got onto the bike and then you went 112 miles on the bike. And I'm smiling at this point. Uh, but here's the thing that I would say about the bike. Every, like every 10 miles, they give you mile markers. So like mile marker 30, 40. And when I got the mile marker 50, I really wanted to cuss. And because the reason why I'm like, I still got 62 miles to go. Can you just wait until we get to mile 90 and 100 before you start showing me the mile markers? But anyways, I finished my bike and then I transitioned to the run. And here I, I really am. I'm smiling. I'm having a great time. Five hours and 37 minutes on the marathon and then at night I finally crossed the finish line in 13 hours and 54 minutes. So there's two reasons why I wanted to share this journey with you. The first reason is because you have shared with me in that journey because you have listened to me talk about Ironman and training for it and all of that. And I know that Gus was updating you along the way. And so I wanted to show you some pictures. But the other thing that I, the other reason why I wanted to show you these pictures and share my journey with you is because of where we're going today in the message. You see, the reason why I crossed the finish line is because I gave my time, my talents, and my treasures. And so when you think about, when you think about the time that it takes to just train for an Ironman, like the last three months, I mean, I was training anywhere between 12 and 15 hours a week. That's just the time that you had to dedicate. And then you move into the talent section and then you start, you know, learning how to swim and swim properly. And then you start learning okay, the proper biking techniques. And then you're learning about the training actually program of, of how to increase 
increase your endurance and actually how to increase your speed. And then you move into the running portion and you actually are trying to learn what, what kind of nutrition can your stomach handle at that point when your digestive system begins to break down because there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of knowledge involved in, and I say completing, not competing because I, I really make that clear with people. I'm there to complete, not compete, all right? And, and then you think about the treasures, like it is, it is funny to me how much money we pay to do that to our bodies. I mean, uh, 2,900 people started that race. Uh, between 17 and 1,800 people finished that race. And then I think about uh, the, the treasures of uh, what, you know, what I spent on the bike, what I spent on nutrition. And, and here's another thing that I, I, I think maybe will hopefully resonate. Like I, I, was, I was really happy with my time because I really thought that I would, I would finish somewhere between 13 and 14 hours. My wife said, I thought you would finish. I didn't think you would finish that quickly. I'm like, well, thanks so much for the confidence, babe. Anyways, but uh, she, she was rooting me on and I'm so grateful for my family, especially my wife, because uh, yeah, I mean, you can clap for Joni because uh, she did. She, she supported me in so many different ways. But, but I thought about the question that I get often now is, will you do it again? Absolutely, and, and when? Well, when, when Joni lets me, so uh, that, that, that's when. But I, but I thought about when I actually do it again at some point, I do, wanna, I, I do want to beat my time. But here's the thing, if I wanna beat my time, if I wanna do better, guess what I'm gonna have to do? I'm going to have to step up my game and my time, my talents, and my treasures. See, if we want to see flourishing, this is what we're going to look at here in a few minutes. If we want to see flourishing, because what we've seen so far in the backstory of generosity is that if we're going to be generous, we have to have that generosity being undergirded by love. We'll never be generous towards the people and things we do not love. And then we looked at a couple of weeks ago that the aim of generosity is flourishing. So what we want to do is to the people and the things that we love, we want to see flourishing. And what we'll see today is that if we want to see flourishing, we got to use some tools, time, talents, and treasures to make that happen. So here's the main point. I'm going to say it in two different ways. First, generosity is exhibited in how you use the tools of your time, your talents, and your treasures. Like if you want to be generous, you, you have these tools at your disposal and how you use them will determine whether or not you are generous. And then it will determine whether or not you bring about flourishing to the people and things that you love, which is the second way I'm putting it. Generous people give their time, their talents, and treasures to bring flourishing to the people and things they love. All right, here's another question. Let's see if you can get it right. When we stand and we recite a verse in this series, what verse are we reciting? Perfect. All right, let's stand and let's recite John 3, 16, and let's, look, let's see how God, how he gave and what treasure he gave. All right, so John 3, 16, ready on the count of one, two, three. We read it together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, well, what did he give? So that, that's the treasure above all treasures right there. God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But what? So he gave the greatest treasure of all so that we might have a life of flourishing. 
So let's pray. Father, I do pray that you be glorified this morning. Jesus, may this, may this message center around you and who you are and how you gave your life for us. And Spirit, I do pray that you would go to work in and among your people, crafting and molding and shaping us more into the image of our beloved King that we might glorify our Father in heaven. I pray for those who are far from Jesus, Spirit, that you would work even now, drawing them to the beauty and the grace and the generosity of God. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. Now you understand why I have so much energy. If I have energy to, to, to exercise for 13 hours and 54 minutes, I got, ex I got a lot of energy to preach for two hours. I'm just joking, not two hours. If you're, if you're our guest, it's not going to be two hours, I promise. An hour, but you know, no, still joking. <laughs> All right, so we're going to look at the three things, time, talents, and treasures. And what we saw from John 3, 16 is that God is a giving God. Now, what we're looking at in this backstory is we're going to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and we're looking at the very first chapters of Genesis to actually see where the generosity of God is on display because generosity is a characteristic of God, and if his believers are filled with his spirit, which we are, we are embodying or we should embody that characteristic. And so what we're going to see is how God gave his time, talents, and treasures in Genesis is one and two and how we should be giving our time, our talents, and our treasures. So let's look at time first. God gave his time. The summary that Moses gives, and Moses is known to have written the book of Genesis, what he gives us at the very beginning is that God took the time to create the heavens and the earth. And the very first thing God does on day one is he actually creates time. Day and night, he creates the first day. If God would not have given us his time, the heavens and the earth would not have been. So here's the principle that we learn. Giving your time helps construct the purposes of that which you love. So he loves creation. He's bringing creation into existence. And then he's also creating time and time is now this construct by which he is going to go to work and bringing about his purposes for creation. So I want you to think about how he used his time. He gave attention to creation. He had to think about it. He had to plan, envision it. He had to execute the plan. He had to be present with his creation. But God not only gave his time, he did create time for us. Now, how many of us, now we, we got to be honest, how many of us, we complain about not having enough time in the day or in the week? Well, I wish I had more time. I wish we had eight days and not seven. No, you don't. I promise. No, you don't. I wish we had more than 24. No, you don't. No. Here's the principle. Time is meant to frame out our day, not frustrate our life. See, time is meant to frame out our day. See, here's the thing. If you or, or, or I, if we're frustrated because we don't have enough time, that means we have not used time wisely. God's the one who created it for us, not to frustrate us, but to frame for us how we are to live our lives. That's why the psalmist says, teach us to number our days. 
So the question for us today and in this series, the backstory of generosity, is how do we manage our time? How do we steward our time? If it's a tool of generosity, how do we use it in a way that glorifies God for the good of those we love? Well, you're going, you're going to need to answer these three questions. What's the purpose? What's the plan? And what are the priorities? What's the purpose? What's the plan? And what are the priorities? Now, let me explain. Now, a couple weeks ago, I listed out three spheres towards the end of the message. And those three spheres were marriage and family, work and vocation, and then community and church. And so what I'm talking about, how we leverage our time in the generous manner is that first, we have to spend time, everybody say time, we got to spend time thinking about the purpose in each of those spheres. So if you are married today, you have to ask yourself the question, what's the purpose of my marriage? Now, according to the Bible, now if you are a believer, according to the Bible, the purpose of our marriages is to reflect the relationship God desires to have and God has with us. That is the reason why Paul, in Ephesians 5, in the New Testament, he's going to say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up. So, so again, purpose of the marriage, reflect the relationship that God wants to have and does have with us. Wives, love your husband. Honor them. And so that's the purpose. Then here's what you start doing now. Now as you start thinking about the purpose, you're going to move to what is the plan for me to fulfill that purpose. And so then you're going to start trying to think about, okay, Lord, how, how do I love my wife as Christ loved the church? How do I love my husband? And you're going to start thinking, using time, everybody say time, thinking about the plan to fulfill the purpose, and then you're going to list out your priorities to make sure you hit the plan to accomplish the purpose. Then you're gonna to move to work. And then you're going to say, God, what's the plan or what's the purpose for work? Now, here, here's what's so amazing about work, is that work in our lives actually goes into reflecting God because day one through six, God went to work. And so what we do throughout the week and in our lives when it comes to work is we reflect, we image God in how he worked and what he accomplished with his work. So that's the purpose. Then you're going to start looking at the plan. Well, how do I execute that purpose in my life? And then what are the priorities of my work to make sure I'm fleshing out the plan to accomplish the purpose? And then move over into community and let's take church. And so what is the purpose of church? Well, I spent a whole series on that called Made for Mission, that God is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. Therefore, the church partners with God on that mission. And so that, that is the purpose of which you are part of this church. And then you start looking at the plan. Well, how do we, how do we flesh out uh, the, a plan that accomplishes the purpose? And then what are the priorities that we need to do in order to fulfill the plan that accomplishes the purpose? purpose. Do you see how much time you need to spend in thinking deeply about these spheres and these structures that you occupy that you should love and so therefore you should want the flourishing of each of those areas but you have to spend the time thinking about them in order to bring them about. 
So there are some time thieves. So what are some time thieves, Josh? Well, laziness. Laziness is a thief, a time thief. Also, a lack of a plan is a time thief. Well, I'm just going to wing it. No, 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 don't wing it. Have a plan. And then here's another one, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty. So I'm telling on myself. I use the word busyness all the time. How are you doing? Well, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Well, okay, okay. Busyness doesn't mean you're necessarily accomplishing anything. So maybe you can, maybe we can start saying together, we are productively busy. Maybe we can say that. And then here's another one, and, and this is for all of you people pleasers out there. Here's another time thief. Saying yes to everything. See, here's the thing, and my friend Kevin Harney, who's actually my, my mentor in life, he wrote a book entitled No is a Beautiful Word. He says this, every time you say yes to something, you actually are saying no to something else. And so that's a time thief. And so if, if we're going to be generous, we've got to make sure that we're stewarding, leveraging our time well and wisely. Now listen to the statement. Where and how you allocate your time will determine what you ultimately build. If you're saying, I'm not having a, a good marriage, I, my marriage is failing, my marriage is fracturing, you might need to spend more time on your marriage. If you're sitting there saying, you know what, I just don't know really what I'm, I'm called to do, I really don't know what, what I'm gifted at, I really don't know what, what I'm supposed to do vocationally, you might want to spend just a little bit more time thinking about what God has gifted you in to do. So where and how you allocate your time will determine what you ultimately build. So to be generous with your time is to think deeply about what it is you want to see, what it is you need to do, and what are the priorities you need to execute. So that's time. Let's move to talents. Everybody say talents. All right, so God not only gave us time, but he gave us talents. Now these talents coincide with the time he spent thinking about the purpose, the plan, and the priorities. So, so these talents come out of the time spent thinking about the purpose, the plan, and the priorities. Now, I want you to imagine the talents that existed within the Godhead to bring about creation. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said on days one through three, God created the systems, and then days four through six, God creates the structures to actually go into and fill the systems. But I want you to, th- I want you to think about the talents of God. God is the master physicist. He's the master scientist, the master grammarian and communicator. He's both the world into existence. He's the master mathematician, the master engineer, the master architect and artist, the master decorator and master lighting technician. He's the master programmer. He's the master biologist and urban planner. He's the master chemist and oceanographer. He's the master geologist and botanist and zoologist. He's the master musician. Think about how the birds sing. Where did they get that from the master musician he's the master gardener he's the master orchestrator he's the master operation manager I mean God is the most talented being because when you look at creation and how it was brought about and how it functioned there had to be a master something to bring it into existence And so God combined all of these areas of talent and giftedness and abilities and skill set and he put them to work to bring about creation and to bring about the very good, the flourishing creation. Here's the principle. 
talents are part of the plan that bring the purpose into existence. So one, once you look at the purpose and you start looking at how do you fulfill that purpose, then you start looking at your talents and your abilities and your talents and abilities now go to work bringing about the purpose and ultimately bringing about the flourishing of the things and the people you love. And so let me just remind all of us today that your talents, my talents and gifts and abilities, they are a gift handed down from the Lord to us for us to steward. We didn't conjure up these gifts. God gave them to us and God never gives us anything that he intends for us to squander on ourselves. He never does. He always gives, he always blesses in order for his people to give and to be a blessing. Now here's some guidelines that, would, that, that will help us leverage our talents and our gifts and our abilities in a generous way. So guideline number one, some talents and abilities we are born with that we are called to enhance and cultivate for the glory of God and the good of others. I want you to think about, about this. When you look at the talents of God and how he was the master everything, well, here's the thing, we're not perfect like God. So, what we have to do is the gifts and abilities that he has given us, and so in some sense that he has imputed into us and that we're just kind of born with, what we still have to do is that we have to enhance and cultivate those gifts that he has given us. And here's where I want us to think about vocational call and spiritual gifts. I want you to realize that we're rooted in a culture and even a, a subculture in the church that separates the sacred space from the secular space. In other words, people see what happens at the church building or whoever works at the church as sacred space and sa you know, sacred also occupations. And then they will say anything that happens in the world throughout the week, that's secular and that has secular occupations. That's not what the Bible teaches. And what's, what's fascinating is that the church during the Middle Ages, they constructed that separation. They're the ones that divorced the two of sacred space and secular space. But Martin Luther, he was a, he was a, a reformer of the 1600s and 1700s. He insisted that all forms of work are God-honoring callings. To be a farmer, a craftsman, or an artist was just as much a vocational call from God as to be a preacher. So a lawyer is just as important of a vocational call as my job. And so the church today is slowly, and I mean slowly, coming out of this separation. One of the leaders helping to bring the church out of this separation is Tim Keller. Listen to what he says about our talents and abilities. As Christians, we are stewards of the resources God gives us for serving the human community. Our vocations are one avenue for doing God's work in the world. Stewardship is the cultivation of resources for God. And listen to what he says here. The Bible tells us that one of the most important resources God has given us is our gifts, aptitude, talents, and abilities. He's given us talents and abilities to bring about the flourishing of the world. Now, here's some questions. Here, and I'm going to just ask you, what is your vocational call? How has God wired you? What are your passions or what are your gifts and abilities and skill sets and talents that God has given you? Are you called to be an artist or an architect, a botanist or a baker, a computer programmer or a counselor, a dentist or a dietitian, an educator or an entrepreneur, a firefighter or a financial planner, 
a geologist or a greeter, a hotel manager or a hospitality coordinator, an intelligent officer or an instructor, a judge or a journalist, a canine trainer or a kitchen designer, a lawyer or a loan officer, a mailman or a mayor, a nurse or a nanny, an optometrist or an organizational manager, a police officer or a pediatrician, a quilter or a quality control specialist, a radio host or a researcher, a speech therapist or a stay-at-home mom, a technician or a truck driver, an underwriter or a urban planner. And videographer or a veterinarian, a waiter or a web designer, an x-ray technician or a xylophone player, a yoga teacher or YouTuber or a Zamboni driver or a zoologist. From A to Z, God has given us. He's given us talents and abilities that bring about the flourishing of the structures and the systems in which we inhabit. And I believe, I do believe in a vocational call that God has given each and every one of us unique gifts and abilities to pour into others to bring about the flourishing. And Gen Z, where my Gen Z at? Listen to this. Here's the reason why you go to school. Because some of you are like, I don't want to go to school. Yeah, you do. You do. Because... Because God has, I mean, he has deposited in you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is a purpose to your existence and it is to glorify God for the good of the world. And so we go to school so we can learn how God has wired us. We can learn what we love. We can learn what our passions are and what our passions aren't. And then when we find out what our passions are, what our gifts are, what our abilities are, then we start targeting how we can cultivate, how we can enhance those for the glory of God and the good of the world. That's why you go to school. And then in addition, I believe that when you are born spiritually, how are you born spiritually? You repent of your sin and you place your faith and trust in Jesus who is our Lord and Savior. So when you repent of your sin and you place your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus, you are spiritually born. And when that happens, the Spirit of God deposits within you spiritual gifts, gifts of prophecy and teaching and shepherding and evangelizing, serving and hospitality, encouraging and healing, mercy and giving financially. Why? To build up the body that the body of Christ might flourish for her mission. Now, as I wrap up this point, this is only guideline number one. I got two more guidelines, but let me ask you some questions that will help drill down on this a little bit deeper as to how you use your talents, both in the workplace and the church. Here's a question. If your supervisor sat down with you, how would he or she rate the quality of work you bring to the company? Do you go above and beyond what's written in the job description? Do you seek to enhance and cultivate your gifting and abilities? Let me ask you this. Are you you ultimately motivated to use your talents based upon the condition of your environment or the character of your God? Because there are a lot of people, they go to work and they're like, you know what, I'm just not really motivated to work. My boss stinks. Listen, you don't go to work and use your talents and abilities because of who your boss is, but who your God is. And then let me ask you this, do you you know your spiritual giftedness? And we do have classes for this, but do you know your spiritual giftedness? And are you using any kind of skill and ability or talent to help bring flourishing to Northland? So so that's guideline number one. Guideline number two. Everybody okay? Okay, if you're not, I'm sorry. Not really, but I'm sorry. Number two, (laughs) 
Number two, some talents and abilities we need to learn and grow in for the glory of God and the good of others. So there are some talents and abilities you're given and you're born with. You just gotta cultivate and enhance those. But then there are some talents and abilities we actually need to learn and grow in for the glory of God and good of others. What do you mean by this, Josh? Well, here I'm thinking of three particular things. Uh, One, marriage and family. Two, relationships, your emotional intelligence. And then third, just being part of a local church. All right. First one, marriage and family. I have never in my life, now if you know somebody, please let me know, but I've never in my life met someone who immediately goes into the marriage as an expert husband. Have you? I've never met a woman going into a marriage being an expert at being a wife. So, So women, let me ask you this. When you married your husband, was he an expert at being a husband? No. Men, let me ask you, when you married your wife, was she an expert at being a wife? Don't answer that, don't answer, no. So don't answer that. Uh, I don't want you to get in trouble. I want you to be able to go home today and be able to sleep in your bed later on tonight. But here's the thing. We need to learn what it means to, to be a husband to be a wife according to how God has designed marriage to be. Like we don't enter into it as an expert, so we gotta learn, we gotta grow in that. How many parents are out there right now? Let me tell you one of the things that, that Joni and I are like, we are learning and growing. I did say don't wing it earlier, but sometimes I feel like we are winging it according to the gospel with a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 11-year-old. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn. We're trying to grow in in what it means to be a a godly parent who oversees and stewards our children's lives well. And then think about relationships and emotional intelligence. You say, what's emotional intelligence, Josh? Well, first of all, it's just being self-aware. Self-aware of your strengths, your weaknesses. It's also being able to manage yourself. So manage your emotions that you just don't lash out. You know how I know that we live in a culture that, is, that has a very low EQ? I read social media. Very, very little high EQ out there. We just vomit on everybody. Well, that means that we don't have a lot of self-control. We're not able to manage our emotions. And then being socially aware of of who's around, how are they feeling, what condition are they in, and then to be able to manage socially your relationships. And so that is an area you actually can grow in to bring about the flourishing of not only your personal life, but the flourishing of your relationships that you are in, and then being part of a local church. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Again, I don't mean this to be mean, but you do realize being part of a local church means more than just attending on the weekend. And and, and so when it comes to being part of a local church, learning, what does it mean to be part of a church? What does it mean to contribute? And so you're gonna spend some time learning about that and developing those talents and those gifts to be able to contribute to the body. Now, let me make some real bold and direct comments as if I haven't already. But if you're not growing in your understanding of how you can be a better husband or wife, you're not going to be generous with your talents. If you're not growing in your understanding of how you can be a better better father or mother, you're not being generous with your talents. Let me just say for Gen Z, if you're still under your parents' household, if you're not growing in your understanding of what it means to be a child under the authority of your parents, let me tell you this, you'll never grow in understanding of God's authority over you. 
If you can't learn to live under the authority of your parents, you'll never be able to live under the authority of God. And could it be that's one of the reasons why Gen Z is so messed up right now? It's because they, they, they want to say, well, God just loves me. I can do whatever I want to. No. So you might be asking, well, how, how can I learn and grow in these areas? Oh, that's a great question. Let me tell you first and foremost, pay attention in church. Because <laughs> there might be times you need to listen to the message again. Podcast. We have the Extra Takes podcast. We have one of our governing elders, Vince Taylor. He and his wife, Charlene, they do Majestic Marriage podcast. Uh, Casey Brennan, who is singing up here, she actually hosts a podcast entitled Hope on a Bridge. So, and there's so many other podcasts that you can listen to to learn and grow in cultivating these talents and abilities. Books, classes, small groups. Uh, here's another one, corporate trainings. I'm sure many of your corporations that you're part of actually have EQ training. Take them (laughs) and then counseling if you need counseling to help cultivate these abilities and talents to actually invest in these spheres do it Uh, find a mentor and coach like I said I have one and then here's another one men this would be a dangerous one for you but I've done it periodically ask your wife how you can grow just ask your wife how you can grow all right so that's the second guideline the third guideline is this some talents and abilities aren't in our wheelhouse and thus we will need to partner and rely on others to help so that together we can glorify God and collaborate for the good of all. So there are some talents and abilities, it's just, they're just not in our wheelhouse. Therefore, we got to partner with others to bring about the flourishing and to glorify God. Now here's where, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about interdependence. Everybody say interdependence. If you think about how God worked in creation, almost everything is interdependent of one another. The thing, that's the thing about systems and structures, that they are, not in, they are not independent, but they are interdependent. They work with one another. And this is what I want us to realize, especially in a culture that screams freedom and independence. No, it's interdependence. It's interdependence. We are interdependent of one another. Uh, in interacting with Martin Luther and his writing on vocation, uh, listen to this statement that I came across. Take, for instance, how God supplies our daily bread. He does so not directly as when he gave manna to the Israelites, but through the work of farmers and bakers, and we might even add today truck drivers and retailers. In effect, the whole economic system is the means by which God gives us our daily bread. Each part of the economic food chain is a vocation through which God works to distribute his gifts. Not everybody's called to be a cultivator and farmer. Not everybody is called to be a distributor. Not everybody's called to be a retailer. Not everybody's called to be a clerk. But God has given us different talents and abilities to interdependently come together to bring about the flourishing of the systems and structures we occupy. Here's the thought. The degree to which we work together to produce and deliver what God has gifted and called us to do individually and interdependently will be the degree to which we experience either fracturing, functioning, or flourishing. Like I said, take those three big buckets, marriage and family, work and vocation and community and church. If you wanna look at your marriage and family and you go, you know what, it's fracturing or it's functioning, then you need to start going back and going, hey, well, what can we do to invest more time and talents into those things 
things to actually bring bring the level up. Same thing with your work. Maybe you're part of a maybe you're part of a a, a, a workplace that is so just messed up that no one works together and it's just, it's fat you it's fracturing it's really flailing. And see so what you got to do. You got to go back and go. How can we all interdependently use our talents and abilities to contribute in an interdependent way into this structure we call the workplace to bring about flourishing and then the church if you see a church that is fracturing if you see a church that is flailing if you see a church that is just functioning and you want it to flourish it has to do with interdependently everyone working together playing their playing their role and responsibility and giving their talents and their treasures into that to bring about the flourishing of that church which is why Paul talks about there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another and that God has given us different gifts to build up the body. And then the last T is this, treasures. Everybody say treasures. When you look at Genesis one and two, God gives humanity no money. A financial monetary system had not been established yet that wouldn't come until later. Nevertheless, God does give treasures. Now here, here's what's important to keep in mind about treasures. Here's the definition I'm gonna use about treasures. Treasures are things we possess, materials, resources, and finances that we give to not only meet, but exceed the holistic needs of others. So treasures are our materials, resources, and finances that we give and we exceed in our giving that meets the holistic needs of others. Think about the needs that God met of Adam and Eve. He gives them himself to meet their spiritual need. He gives them air and food and water to meet their physical needs. He gives them one another to meet their relational needs. He gives them meaning and purpose by teaching them what to do, what not to do. He gives them raw materials to meet their cultural needs, to give them something to cultivate and create. He gives them a safe habitat called the garden. And he gives them spiritual clothing so that they would be free from shame. Now I'm gonna put up, I'm gonna put up Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He says, in order for a human just to be human and to be able to thrive as a human being, they need physiological needs, safety needs, love and belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. Let me just say this. Abraham Maslow did not create that. You see that in the very first two chapters of Genesis. God met every basic need that human beings needed in order for them to be who he created them to be. But not only that, I would suggest that God exceeded Adam and Eve's needs by giving them more than enough. See, he created with beauty and majesty for humans to enjoy. Did you know that there, there's approximately 200 billion trillion stars in the universe? So when you walk outside and it's a clear night and you look up into the, and you look up into the sky, you see all of those stars. Listen, you, we didn't really need all those stars, but God gave us more than enough. And then you think about the variety of landscapes. Oceans and mountains and valleys and prairies and forests and deserts. Such a variety of sea life and wildlife and flying creatures. Think about the abundance of trees that grow out of the ground for food. In chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says, I give you every seed-bearing plant. One commentator noted that the word every emphasizes the availability and generosity of God's provision. Think about every tree and plant. 
that is, that is in existence, that creates blueberries and cantaloupes and cucumbers and coconuts and melons and carrots, pineapples, pomegranates, broccoli, apples, plums, and beans, bananas, figs, and kale, grapes, kiwi, and onions, apricots, almonds, and garlic, mangoes, pecans, and squash, avocados, hazelnuts, and corn, tomatoes, macadamia nuts, and Brussels sprouts. Yuck! Anybody like Brussels sprouts? Well, I stand corrected. But he also gave potatoes and sunflower seeds and asparagus and strawberries and cashews and squash, the cherries, pine nuts and peas and oranges and walnuts and peppers, blackberries, pistachios, raspberries, peanuts, dragon fruit, lettuce. Could you imagine? God, we only, we only need just a, a, a few little things to survive, but God gave humanity a plethora of trees and plants. He didn't need to. He exceeded our needs. And then he made the trees pleasing to the eye. Well, we didn't need trees. They could be butt ugly. We didn't need pleasing to the eye. And then he made humanity with taste buds that we could taste. We, we don't need taste buds. But he gave us taste buds. So here's the question. Church, come in. How are we using our treasures, our materials, resources, and finances to meet the needs of others and to exceed their needs by giving above and beyond. You see, in giving our treasures, it's important to know what our treasures are because I, let's, just, let's just get a little specific here. Our treasures are our house, our shelter, our food, our transportation. It's the materials and resources that we own, our clothes, our gadgets, our tools, our knowledge. It's our presence, it's our time, it's our words, words. It's money, it's finances, and in and, and church, it's our faith. It's the most important treasure we have. Because if we don't have Jesus, we have nothing. And then, and then who do we give our treasures to? Well, we give them to our spouse, we give them to our children, we give them to our friends. We give them to our family. We give them to our neighbors. Who's our neighbor? Well, Jesus taught anybody who's next to you is your neighbor. And then you give them to your church. And so how do we give our treasures? Well, there's at least three options that we all have. We can share them with others. So we can share our home with others. Or we can share our food by cooking a meal. Or we can share our finances by, by, by buying someone else's lunch or dinner. We can share our life by spending time with someone in need. We can foster. We can adopt. Or we, we can transport by carpooling. Uh, we can give our knowledge by discipling, coaching, mentoring. Like if you're a woman and you want to coach another one, Life Hope, man, we, we would love to have you. And then you can share the gospel, the good news of King Jesus, that Jesus over 2,000 years ago, in order to save humanity, that we were separated from God, Jesus came. He walked a perfect life. He died on the cross for the sin of the world. He was buried three days later. He rose from the grave. Anyone who trusts in Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be saved from the penalty of sin and will have everlasting life, eternal life, fully alive with God. We have to, we have to share that. And then we can, loan, we can loan our treasures out, let people borrow them, whether they're our tools or our books, or if you have a vacation home, can you loan and let someone borrow your vacation home that couldn't even afford a vacation? And then we give them away, we donate, tithe, and offer up our treasures. We can donate our time to a nonprofit, and can you start with Northland? Thank you very much. 
And then you can donate or give away your old car, your land, stock, shares. You, you can even write it in your will. Uh, you can give your materials or resources like we do to Goodwill, but don't give your dirty underwear. Don't give anything, don't give crap away. That, that's not really your treasure. And then you can give money to those who are in need. And then church, let me talk to you about two things that you give. You give the tithe. Now, many people would say the tithe is 10%. Where did the tithe come from? The tithe comes from giving your first fruits. The tithe comes from giving your best. If we believe as the, as the people of God that everything that we have, every good and perfect gift that we have is from God. And if we think about the finances that we have, the financial resources we have and how we, how we came about our financial resources, how do we come about those? Through our talents and abilities. We invested our talents and abilities into something and we yielded a produce. We yielded we yielded resources, we yielded finances. And so a tithe is giving God your best. Now the Bible teaches of 10%, but here's what I think is happening in the New Testament. It's proportionate to your ability. It's still percentage, but it's proportionate to your ability. So maybe your ability is 2%, maybe your ability is 10%, maybe your ability is 25%, whatever it is, in proportionate to your ability, you give the tithe. Money comes in, tithe goes out. Money comes in, tithe goes out and it goes to God through his church because he's chosen to use his church as the vehicle to accomplish his mission that's why you give the tithe to your church so every time you get resources financial resources you give your best a percentage to the church because you're ultimately giving it to God as a sign everything belongs to you thank you so much that is the tithe and then you don't have to clap for that but then it's an offering. An offering is above and beyond. It exceeds the tithe. So when we do raise the roof, that is an offering. You should not give your tithe to raise the roof. Christmas house, that is not the tithe, that is an offering. Giving Tuesday, that is not a tithe, that is an offering. When you give to the Red Cross, that is not your tithe. You're not gonna take from God and his church and give your tithe to the Red Cross. So that is an offering, that, that is above and beyond. Exactly what we see in Genesis one and two, God gives above and beyond. And so in an offering sense, you give above and beyond and that is how we can leverage our treasures in generosity now you can clap if you want to yeah so me if you want to not telling you you have to and so let me in here's three options that we all have when it comes to how we use our tools of our time our talents and our treasures option number one you can give to fail you can give to fail and here's what I mean by that is this, is that when you give to fail, that flows from greed because you have sucked the life out. You're a greedy person. And so greedy people suck the life out of the structures in which they occupy. And so therefore you give to fail. The second option that you and I have is that we can give to function. We can give to function. But here's the thing, again, going back to marriage, I've never, I've never married a couple that that they're sitting there at the altar, standing there at the altar, and they're like, you know what, we just wanna have a functional marriage. You know, when you give to function, that flows from mediocrity. If you wanna have a mediocre marriage, just give me mediocrely. If you just wanna have a mediocre church, just, just give in mediocrity. And then option three is you can give to flourish. You can give to flourish. And that flows from grace. Going back to John 3, 16, Jesus gave his time. 
we, we, we see that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He spent time with humanity. Then we know that Jesus, he was the master prophet, the master priest, the master king. He occupied these three offices that was rooted in Israel and he was the master. He was the better everything. And then we know that Jesus gave up his life, the greatest treasure. Why? So that we might flourish. You see, we serve a God who gave lavishly of his time, of his talents, and his treasures. Church, let us be the people of God that leverages the tools of time, talents, and treasures to bring about the flourishing of our marriages, our families, our workplaces, and our church for the glory of God and the good of others. That's generosity. Let's pray. Father, just to see your generosity embedded in creation is just, it's just dumbfounding. And here's what I pray, Father, that we would embody your generosity and how we use the tools that you have given us of time, talents, and treasures for your glory and others' good.